everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, I really appreciate you guys clapping. I don't know if you're clapping for me, but if you are, it really helps my self-esteem. It does. Just walk out and applause. Man, it really, it really means a lot. It really does. It really does. It's important to affirm people. It really is. You know, when you, especially in a marriage, you know, if you think about something positive, just say it. Don't just go, well, I was thinking about that, honey, how great you look. No, just say it. You look great. Or ladies, you're thinking about your man. You're thinking about, man, he's such a kind husband and father. Don't just think it. Say it. Say it. Have you ever taken a family vacation before? Anyone? Well, you know they're not really vacations. There's no such thing as a family vacation. I hope you know that. It's a family outing. There's no family vacation. No, a vacation is just you and your spouse alone. That's a vacation. I want to get that straight. Now, I'm, I'm all about family outings. They're great, but they're not vacations. I want to tell you about a recent family outing we had. The whole family went to the beach and Lisa had this brilliant idea. I'm talking about this idea is so, so creative. She got this idea from her sister. And and she kind of shared it with me. She goes, honey, let's tell the grandkids that they're pirates around this area. And let's tell them that they have arbitrarily buried treasure on different beaches. I thought, that's a great idea. So we're looking one day at the water. Of course, I got into this. And I go, look at that boat, kids, way out there on the horizon line. That could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be Captain Hook's pirate ship. You know. Really? It could be. Now you know, now and then, Legend has it, at night that pirates cruised into the beach and buried their treasure. (gasps) We were setting them up. A couple days later, Lisa goes, oh, look at this bottle. And there's a message in the bottle. Come here, kids, let's open it. And we... Opened it because I believed it too. (laughs) Look at this treasure map. This is a pirate's treasure map. They have buried their treasure. And sure enough, Lisa had drawn out this treasure map. There was a a heart, and then there was this, you know, little dot, dot, dot where you walk, and then it goes to X marks the spot. So We followed this treasure map. There's a heart. Oh my gosh, could it be? And then we found the X. Now, beforehand, Lisa had buried, Lisa did all this, buried a little treasure box in the sand. So we began digging, 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 like dogs digging out of someone's uh, yard. And and sure enough, 
there is the treasure chest. So we picked it up, blew all the sand off, and then we opened it. We bought some costume jewelry, some little dinosaurs. Again, age appropriate, right? Look at this treasure! Look! And the kids were freaking out. They were going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We found treasure! We found treasure! And they were putting on the costume jewelry and playing. And It's pretty creative, isn't it? Brilliant. We had a fun time on our family outing. I think the Bible is a treasure map. I really do. It points us to our heart, and then it points us to treasure. God wants us to dig up the treasure, open it, and to discover what it means to walk and to live with this treasure. Jesus called it, in fact, the treasure test. The greatest sermon ever preached was in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about the heart. He's basically saying everything is about the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart. And he says something revolutionary in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is located. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the treasure test. It's just like we discovered on that beach. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I was reflecting back on that story and I thought, Lisa even built a heart on the sand and it pointed to the treasure. It's the treasure principle. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If your heart is into antiques, your treasure will follow you. If your heart is into fishing, like mine is, you can look at my bank statement, you'll see that I spend money, treasure, where my heart is, fishing. It could be decorating, it could be bow hunting, it could be traveling, it could be oil painting, ah, whatever it is, stamp collecting, who knows. But where your treasure is, Jesus said it, that's where your heart will be. So there's this inseparable linkage between my treasure and my heart, my heart and my treasure. So if you discover, man, here's my heart, your treasure will follow. And where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. So we see this brilliant and shocking and earth-shattering statement from Jesus. I remember years ago, decades ago, while in seminary, I remember someone saying, you know, Jesus talked more about possessions than heaven or hell? I thought to myself, I don't know if I believe that. 
You know, there's over 2,300 verses about money in the Bible. I thought, I don't really know if I buy that. So I did the work myself. I studied the scriptures and talked to a lot of brilliant and bright theologians. And sure enough, one of the major topics in scripture is what I'm going to talk to you about today, treasure. It's simply the treasure test. Because you show me your treasure, you're showing me your heart. You're showing me your heart, you're showing me your treasure. Have you ever heard this phrase before? We say it all the time. Follow the money. You ever heard that before? Why does a five-star recruit suddenly change his mind to go to a different school? Follow the money. Why does a congressman or woman get elected to Congress and maybe their net worth is a half a million dollars and 10 years later, through savvy investing, they're worth 200 million. Follow the money. Why is big tech in bed with our government? The deep swamp, follow the money. Look at big pharma and COVID and this whole vaccine vibe, follow the money. Why does a 25-year-old woman marry an aging 75-year-old guy? Follow the money. <laughs> that was funny. Man, you see that so much in Dallas, don't you? It's really funny. And what's so funny about it is, to show you how stupid guys are, these rich guys think, oh man, it's not about my money. I'm just, I'm just cool, man. I'm like Daniel Craig. I'm like James Bond. No, you're not. You're just rich and you're ugly. You're Jeff Bezos ugly. And I shouldn't have said that. Well, yeah, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. But it's just kind of funny, isn't it? So I, I want to say to the lawyers here, if you're a lawyer, think about this. You could sue a lot of people who have said they coined the phrase, follow the money. In fact, follow the money was a phrase that was used during the Watergate investigation. But the first person to say it was Jesus when he said, I'll say it again, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, where your treasure is, <laughs> there your heart will be also. Follow the money. Isn't that something? That's so true. You know, whenever I talk about possessions, and, and this message today is going to be about treasure, possession stuff, because it was one of the major themes in Scripture, I always like to look up in my, in my files like the last time I talked about possessions, it was three years ago, if you're you know, taking notes. Most of you don't care, but I just thought I'd throw that out.
But you know, when I talk about money, it's very uncomfortable for me to talk about it. I mean, it is. I don't like, like, oh boy, I'm going to talk about possessions today. I don't dig that. I mean, if I, if I was one of the Bible editors back in the day, I would have probably taken this out. I just don't want to talk about it. Money's very personal to me. I know it's personal to you. I like money, and so do you. Don't act like you don't. I know you do. We like money. I mean, I struggle with materialism, and so do you. If you're breathing, if you're taking up space and grace, if your heart is beating, there's something powerful about possessions. And that's why Jesus talked about it so much. But I don't like to talk about it. And you know, every time I talk about it, I can tell that I am treading on enemy territory because the God, lowercase g, of this world, the devil, a.k.a. Lucifer, the star of the morning, doesn't want this message to be received. He, he doesn't want us to receive this biblical revelation. He doesn't. He does not want us to take square footage from hell. He doesn't want us to populate heaven, and by doing that, we're depopulating hell, so he gets most people to just kind of skim over the subject. And a lot of us, even Christians, you know, and I've been guilty of this, we just kind of draw a line of demarcation. Okay, here's... Here's the Bible over here. And you know, I, I want to come to the Bible about grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope. I mean, I'm all about that, God, to hear an encouraging word. But I'm going to draw a line here. Money? No, that's not your deal, God. You're about the spiritual. You're about the eternal. Money is its my money. It's my life. I mean, to know about money, I'm going to go to... Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal or I'm going to read Fortune or, or talk to some financial planner. I mean, it's my treasure, God. This is physical. Even Christians are guilty of this. And that's spiritual. So let's just keep this, this line between the two. And a lot of us go through all of these biblical gymnastics to try to explain away and rationalize, we tell ourselves rational lies, that our stuff is not really God's. But from cover to cover, the Bible says it, everything is God's. Everything is spiritual. What I put before my eyes when I go online, that's spiritual. What is in my account, spiritual. What I wear, what I drive, spiritual. Who I hang out with, everything is. So Jesus just smashes a lot of preconceived notions. He erases this line because he says there is a massive connection between our treasure and our heart, our heart and our treasure. 
You might say, I love the Lord Jesus. That's great. Let me see your bank statement. That will tell me if you really love him. Because if you love him, you're gonna love the body of Christ, the only thing he ever built, the local church, and your treasure will go to his house. Now, don't you see the cross pull? The devil doesn't want us to get this revelation because he knows when we get it, more and more people will come to Christ, more and more people will discover who they are, more and more people will use their gifts and abilities and resources. So he doesn't want you or me to talk about it because when you talk about money and possessions, it's, it's spiritual warfare. Follow the money. You can tell if someone is a true believer by how they handle their finances. Wow, Ed, I thought we were saved by grace alone through faith alone. We are. Jesus also said, I will know my followers by the fruits they produce. One day Jesus met a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a little guy. Obviously he had a poor vertical jump. He couldn't see over the crowds. He couldn't see Jesus. So he climbed the sycamore tree. Jesus saw him and said, I'm coming to your house today. They had a power lunch, the first power lunch ever. Zacchaeus became a follower of Christ. And he walked out and stood on the steps of his mansion. And he said this, I am paying back fourfold the people I've ripped off. He was a major tax gatherer, accountant, entrepreneur, IRS agent. And he said, I'm giving it all back. And here's what Jesus said, today, today salvation has come to his house. It's all about the money. It is. It's all about the money. We don't say it all the time, but it is. The Dallas Cowboys? It's all about the money. No, it's about football. I'm sorry. It's all about the money. You go to a mall, you go online, it's all about the money. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's all about the money. We don't say it all the time, but it's all about the money. And even... As a Christian, I'm just going to tell you it's all about the money. I, I, can't, I can't make you understand this. I can't make you say, you know what, I'm going to understand this principle and I'm going to participate as I resource Fellowship Church. I can't make you do that. You, you can't make me do that. But I'm telling you, materialism is a struggle. For me, it's a struggle for you. Stuff is a struggle. It's not easy. When we get paid, we have this ability to think, that money is mine. <laughs> I made it. Okay, I understand that. I get that mentality. But I've got to say to you, 
God gave you the ability and me the ability to do what we've done to get what we have. And in reality, we're going to find out it's God's and not ours. Because if it was ours, we could take it with us once we go from this life to the next. But I've never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. I never have. You know, when our daughter tragically passed away in January, it was shocking, but also so sobering to see your house. As I told you a couple of weeks ago, to see some boxes, a little bit of money in an account, that was all she left gone. That's it. Jesus says we have the ability to invest in eternity. Now, nowhere in the Bible is God against investing in things. Nowhere in the Bible is God anti-wealth. You're not going to find that. Some of the major players in Scripture were squillionaires. Some were middle class, some were lower class. So you can't make a case that everyone who's a Christian should be wealthy. It's not in the Bible. On the other hand, you cannot make a case for poverty and the fact that poverty is next to godliness. You can't. The Bible simply says money is neutral. It's powerful. It's an indicator of where we are and who we are before God. Jesus is going to give us couplets, four couplets. And he's going to give us an opportunity, as I run through Matthew chapter 6, to make choices about treasure. So where are you as you're on this beach? You see the heart. You see the steps, you see where the treasure is buried. What choice are you gonna make? Well, the first set of choices is God's treasure or fleeting pleasure. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, verse 19, and this is truly the master class because the master is teaching the class on money. And it's funny that when it comes to money, we talk to financial planners or, or this economist or whatever, and I've never heard one say, you know what, let's start with this. God owns it all. So their whole mentality is jacked up from the beginning. I'm not saying we don't talk to people who are smart with money. The Bible says we should save and enjoy the fruits of our labor, but let's start where we need to start. Let's start with God who, who owns it all. God's treasure or fleeting pleasure. Do not store up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures on earth where moth and rust and robbers can, can, can steal. The devil himself is the Lord of earthly wealth. So we literally, he's the master of materialism. We literally, once we are saved and 
born again, and once the Holy Spirit takes control of our lives, we have this opportunity to go, wow, this money, it's redeemed. It is God's money. It's not the devil's money, lowercase g, the God of this world. It is God's money. And I have an opportunity not to own it, but to steward God's money. I'm a manager, not an owner. And Jesus is saying, if I get all focused and all messed up just trying to store stuff on earth, that's not gonna serve me well. But I've gotta say, money is a good, lowercase g-o-d, God. It is, it's good, it's good, it's good. Because it'll numb the aches and pains of life. You know, the more money you have, the more options. But sadly, the rich people have one advantage over the poor. The rich people know that money doesn't satisfy. The poor people have not figured that out yet. Where's your treasure? Are you, are you realizing and understanding that everything is God's, it's God's? Here's the second, the second point I wanted to make, the second option choice. It's either the Lord's kingdom or a temporal thingdom. Oh, it's my materialistic thingdom. No, 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 it's, it, it's God's kingdom because Jesus said, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That shouldn't be your main focus, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Whether moth nor rust or robbers or thieves can't break in and steal. Well, how do you do that? You invest in people who are going there. That entity happens to be, I'll say it once again, the body of Christ, the local church. Now, at Fellowship Church, we do not force people or coerce people, as I said, a second ago, to participate in this. You know, we can't turn off your water or your lights if you're not <laughs> tithing. I sometimes wish we could, but we don't. But the average church, I'm talking about an evangelical church, about 19% of the people give all of the money. Let me say that again. About 19% of the people give all of the money. So as a pastor, sometimes I'm like, man, that, that 81%, they're wearing me out. I gotta rev them up. I've got, no, no, no. I'm just gonna say, hey, 19%ers, thank you for your generosity. The other, yeah, about 19% clap. About the other, <laughs> the other 81%, you know, you're just one decision away from understanding getting a handle on treasure. Because every time, let me say it again, every time we understand that God owns it all, every time we understand this connectivity between our treasure and our heart, our heart and our treasure, every time we are a conduit to the church, when we bring our first 10% to the church, God blesses our lives. 
It doesn't mean that everyone becomes rich. And it doesn't mean that it's always financial. Sometimes people say, oh man, if you give, God's gonna bless you financially. Doesn't necessarily mean that. It can, and he does, but it doesn't always mean that. Oftentimes, he blesses in ways that finances can't even touch. But he's gonna take care of us. I have total confidence in it. Because, wow, Lisa and I have been married almost 40 years. I know that's hard to believe because I'm like 46 years old, but I got married young, very, very young. But, but, but I am a walking, talking, living example of these principles. So God has blessed us in ways that money can't touch, but he's also blessed us financially. He definitely has. And he'll do the same in your life. But we can't limit God and say, okay, it's just going to be financial, you know, because God is God. God is sovereign, and he wants to bless. But, but I'm going to tell you, if you just begin to test the waters, if you have training wheel faith, if you're a training wheel tither, because see, 10% is training wheel faith. It's like, I'm bringing in 10%, Lord, it's yours. Everything is yours, 10%. And that's phenomenal. We take the training wheels off, then we begin to ride the bike, that's the offering. So we have tithes, are you with me? The minimum worship requirement, then the offerings are over and above that. Well, I can't afford it. I can't afford to tithe. Well, I'll say it like I've said it many times. You can't afford not to. You want to see God show up major in your life? There's, I'm telling you, there's something supernatural when we understand everything comes from God. Our resources are from God. There's something, I can't even explain it, that takes place. And the cool thing is, it's between you and God and me and God but I'd be lying to you if I said I don't struggle with this. I'm not going to say, oh, it's easy for me. Oh, yes, I'm just, no, it's not. It's not. And it's more difficult now in a lot of ways than it was 40 years ago because the resources are much more than they were 40 years ago in my life. And the, the, the amount is more. I'm like, <laughs> you know? You understand what I'm saying to you? Don't act like you don't. Every time I talk about sex, people have this same look. They don't really look to the right or left. It's just like. And when I talk about money, people, people get funny. And that's okay. I understand. It's very personal. It's personal to me. Again, I don't like to talk about this. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, Lord. I wish it wasn't in the Bible. But thank you for clapping earlier. Okay. It really helps me, especially, to, especially talking about this, you know? All right, all right. Let me, let me uh, continue to diesel on. We're almost done. So God's treasure or fleeting pleasure. Don't you like the rhyme? Choose God's treasure. Okay, when you do that, the Lord's kingdom or temporal kingdom. You'll be a kingdom man, a kingdom woman. You'll see. Now you'll have an eternal perspective. You'll see even better. Matthew 6, 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If you ever thought about this, the eye is what lets light in our bodies, and the eye guides us. 
A couple nights ago, Lisa and I uh, had some sushi. Anybody like sushi? Yeah. You know, in Dallas, they call it sushi. In Fort Worth, they call it bait. But anyway... <laughs> But I like both. See, I love fishing, so I'll, I'll use it as bait. You know, can I have that in a box? I won't eat it. I'll just take it to the local lake and fish with that sushi, that raw fish. But we were, we were eating sushi, and, and I couldn't really read the menu really well, you know. My eyes are good, but, you know, written really small to me. So I borrowed Lisa's glasses, and when I put those on, it really messed everything up. I'm like, wow, what? Those here who don't understand this biblical revelation, it's like you're looking through lenses that are distorted. It's, it's, it's seriously, it's like you're blind. I sometimes talk to some of my friends who don't know the Lord, and they're like, you mean that you give 10%, I said more than that, but yes, to the church, and you're the blanking pastor? <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting one. Yes, I have to. And I'll explain, you know, everything is God's and you can see them just kind of <laughs> check out. And that's okay. I've been praying that God would, and I know he will, if we'll let him, let, you know, let, let, the, let the, take those blinders off. Yeah, and, and be able to see the way God wants you to because when you get a handle on this, what I'm talking about, it's, it's really, really amazing. So the eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus said. If your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Man. Well, here's the, here's the last set of decisions. There are four couplets. Is God the sovereign master of your life? Or are you going to end up being a material disaster? Disaster. Matthew 6, 24, uh, no one can serve two masters. You know, I've tried to do that. Again, that's that line of demarcation here. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth, you can't. And that's that cross pull, isn't it? So if I'm all in, I gotta say, okay, God, it's your treasure. Okay, God, it's about your kingdom, not my temporal kingdom. It's about eternity from your perspective. It's about your sovereignty, God. Once we get a hold of that, we understand our resources aren't mine, they're God's. We become this conduit. We have a heart for God and his house. We're helping people and giving them an opportunity and securing their eternity. And God will keep on blessing you and me and blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. And the Bible says, God will bless us to such a degree, we won't even have room to hold it all. That could be a financial blessing. It could be some relational blessing. It could be some opportunity. It could be some business situation. I don't know. 
but God does. So it's a whole trust thing, isn't it? It's funny how we will go, okay, God, I trust you for my eternity, but with my treasure, ooh. Hmm. How's your heart? Your EKG. EKG, economic knowledge of God. That's good. How's your EKG? You know, I was born with a mitral valve prolapse, a little valve just was not working properly. And I was told my entire life, oh, you'll never have to have surgery. I mean, it'd be just doubtful. I mean, your, your heart's great and you do this and you do that, whatever. Well, 2017, go to the doctor. <laughs> Man, uh, there's a lot of backwash of blood in your heart. Your heart's enlarging. Your valve, whoo, is failing. And if you listen to some of my older messages, I'm sure you do all the time, <laughs> my, my, my voice was raspy. I had cardiac asthma. I had something called regurgitation. I, I went to this surgeon, brilliant surgeon, his, his specialty is, is the mitral valve prolapse. So he decided, because I'm a pretty active guy, hyperactive as well, he decided to, to cut me from stem to stern just to repair this tiny mitral valve. And after he was done, he goes, you have no limitations, everything is good, you have zero regurgitation, on and on and on. It's like, that is what Jesus is driving at in the entire Sermon on the Mount. But when he drilled down into possessions, he's like, man, some of you have this backwash. Some of you kind of, kind of not really opening up. The valve is not working. You, you think your stuff is your stuff and it's going to kill you if you don't take care of it. Because remember, the devil comes to steal. Jesus said in John chapter 10, kill and destroy. So your homework, before I tell you a, a crazy story, but your homework is to, to understand that everything is God's. That's the first thing. Number two, your homework is to bring it to the house. If you're a part of Fellowship Church, bring it here. If you're visiting from another area, bring it to that church, but make sure you resource the church, that your first fruits, training will tithing, goes to the church. Also to some of us who have kicked the training wheels off, I thank you so much for your generosity. God is gonna to continue to bless and move in a powerful way, and it's crazy what God's done. I mean, for example, let me give you some insider information. I mean. I don't really have any secrets, but about three years ago, we started this building capital campaign called Intense. One of the things we did was we built and bought a $30 million property in Frisco, and it's doing great. During the middle of this Intense campaign, the COVIDs hit. The Rona just wrecked us. 
We didn't stop building. We didn't stop meeting. We kept on going with the banks and everything else. Well, there's a group of about, our financial office told me, about 450 people. And you guys made commitments three years ago for this endeavor. Now, obviously, we built off of your commitments. And I understand the fact with COVID and everything that you've not been able to participate. But as we face the end of year, it's your time to finish your commitment. Lisa and I made the largest commitment we've ever made in our lives. We're going to finish our commitment as well. But I want to challenge you to do so because it's the greatest investment that you can ever, ever make. Let me, let me tell you a story that happened recently. Speaking of this uh, intense campaign, you know, we had a lot of people make financial commitments three years ago. Like, you know, I will commit to give $10,000 over and above my regular giving to intense. And we had just great, great commitments. One guy, a young guy, told me that he was going to come into a massive amount of money. I mean a lot. And I just challenged him. I said, hey, you know, your family, you guys have been a part of Fellowship Church for two decades. We've walked through alcoholism. We've walked through drug addiction. We've walked through divorce, funerals, the whole thing with your family. And man, I would just encourage you to pray about what God wants you to do. And so this young man wrote out a commitment card, and this is massive amounts of money to us, $4 million. Now that's huge, $4 million. Okay. So periodically, you know, I would, I would talk to him and he was telling me, you know, when, when his windfall was going to happen, et cetera. But the more, I, the more I talked to him, the more issues I had, the more of a pushback I had with his heart. The more I talked to him, I realized, man, this guy has a heart issue. I'm not talking about a mitral valve prolapse, but I'm talking about a money issue. And I prayed about this, talked to some friends about this, and I told him just several days ago, we're not gonna take one dime of your money. I said, you're free to come to Fellowship Church, but we will never, ever receive any money from you. Because I don't want any financial commitment or money or whatever to keep you from discovering what God has for your life. So in a nice way I said, keep your money. I didn't tell you that story to go, oh man, Ed's the hero. Wow, he's Mr. Daniel Craig up there talking to some rich young guy. No, no, it's a heart issue. It's the treasure test. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. As you're walking on that beach, where is your heart pointing? 
Where's your heart pointing? Because at the end of the day, follow the money. Let's pray. Lord, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the generosity of Fellowship Church. And it's my prayer, God, that we would continue to walk and move and talk in generosity as we discover that everything we have is yours and we're stewards of it. And I thank you for your grace and your massive generosity. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.